Good morning. I hope you had a good sleep. I had such a wonderful day yesterday. Back-to-back -back day, but a wonderful day. Um, I had a friend from Houston visit. I had, and it's a Chinese friend, and she has a Chinese friend that lives here. And so both of them were over, and we had tea, and it was lovely. We talked about the differences in Asian culture and American culture when we travel. We had some giggles. And went straight in from that into preparing a birthday dinner for my son. His birthday was last week. And all he wanted was dinner with family and so that's what we did. And then I had a very special occurrence, and that was to have my daughter at my microphone. And uh, I've been singing and recording since I, I've been singing since I was three years old, but recording music since I was 12 years old. And it has been a shock that my children have not craved music the way I have. <laughs> and they're great singers. My son got a scholarship um, at our local college when he was um, coming out of high school. His scholarship was for music, which is amazing because he is deaf in one ear and severely hard of hearing in the other ear. He can hear with a hearing aid, but he's got a great voice even though he cannot hear like the, the normal person can hear. And my daughter is a great singer as well. She's got a voice that I envy. And neither one of them, now Madison, my son, has been interested in singing, but um, Morgan, no, she's just not been interested. And so it was very special to me yesterday to have her at the mic. Um, I've done a, a song I wrote a couple years ago um, on my social media, I did five things a day that I was thankful for for several years, and it was part of how I dug myself out of depression. Anyway, the, the, um, hello, Brother Samuel. The, uh, the course is five things, five things that I was thankful for the day I wrote that song. I'm thankful for the pain I've never felt, the rejection I've never known, because I have felt pain, but there's other pain I haven't felt, so I'm going to be thankful for the pain I've never felt. And I have been rejected, but I've also been received, so I'm going to thank him for the rejection I've never known. And I'm going to thank him for the doors that he wouldn't open. I'm going to thank him for the love that didn't leave, because I have had love loves leave. I'm going to thank him for the love that didn't leave. And I'm going to thank him for the people who did not deceive. I have been deceived, but I'm going to focus on those that did not. And so anyway, this is a song I wrote a little bit ago. And she she and I are recording it this week before we leave town. And that was a special night. So busy day yesterday, but that resulted in good sleep last night. And uh, we're going to get started in our Jesus series here. Good morning, Angel. In 
Mark chapter 1, verse 40 through 45, verses 40 through 45. And then we find the same story in Luke 5 and in Matthew 8. I'm not going to read all of these chapters, but you'll find the whole story there if you want to read them on your own. After Jesus heals this leper, he says in verse 44, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. So there's a couple of things that I want to point out, and one of them is that Jesus followed order and he embraced law. And Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. And when Jesus sent this leper that he had cleansed, when he sent him to the priest, he did that because that's a part of the law that somebody who is cleansed of leprosy go to the priest and give an offering. And he specifically says, offer for thy cleansing because you have been cleansed. Go and give this offering, which Moses commanded. And so that, that we live in this day and time does not mean we do not have protocols that we should follow. There are protocols that we should be aware of, and um, I will encourage you to get in sync with your local congregation and their protocols because they are important for yourself, but they're important for more than yourself. Jesus says at the end of this verse, offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. There is always a reason that God has laid things in order. And in this case, Jesus said, this is going to be a testimony for them. God does the miraculous for a testimony. God does the miraculous for a testimony. And so if God has ever done anything for you, you ought to be testifying about it. You ought to tell people about it. Because one thing that I have personally found out about God is that when he entrusts you with something and you fulfill that trust, he will entrust you with more. And so if you want the miraculous multiplied in your life, then do what he has done the miraculous for, and that is for you to testify. Start telling how God has healed. If you want a healing, start telling people, God, if you can't think of a time God has healed you, then start telling about times God has healed other people. Start testifying about it. Start showing the investment is being paid off. There are multiple stories in scripture where Jesus 
demonstrated that he is looking for those who know how to know what to do with his investment into you. Now, he will invest into you for nothing to start with. You don't have to give him a single thing for him to invest into you. But if you will return that investment, if you will make a return on the investment, he will give you more. When we get to the parable of of Jesus telling that story, I'll I'll go into this deeper, but I will say that God does the miraculous for a testimony. Jesus said, go and offer thy cleansing the way Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. He wanted the priests to have a testimony that the Messiah had come. Jesus was not going to leave the priests, even though the religious people of the day, the the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day were being snooty about Jesus, were were ignoring, um, well, they were trying to ignore him, but they were certainly trying to prove him wrong. And Jesus, just because they were trying to prove him wrong did not mean Jesus was not willing to go out of his way to try to woo them to him. He said, go to them for a testimony unto them. Even the priests needed their faith lifted. They needed, they had been serving in the temple decade after decade, generation after generation without a return, without hearing the voice of God without feeling the presence of God. They had just been going through the routines, the rituals, the laws. And Jesus said, I am willing to reach them, even though they're so tied to their tradition that they can't accept me. Go show them this miraculous sign because they need a testimony. And so this is a twofold teaching right now that if the Lord has invested the answer of prayer in your life, show God that his investment has brought a return and you begin to tell others of the things God has done for you, the things you have seen, the things you have read about, talk about them And I know from experience and from the word of God that God will sow more of those miraculous seeds into your life. But also, don't forget that your testimony is for everybody, even the people that that seem to be bound and determined to reject your faith those people who are just bound and determined that the miraculous doesn't happen anymore, that um, God is not real, that these things are not in existence. They, even they need this testimony. So go and tell your story. Tell your story. 
And in Mark chapter 1, verse 45, the other thing that we find Jesus saying to um, this man, he actually told this leper, don't go tell everybody. And um, I don't 100% understand that. I know for sure he wanted them him to go and show himself to the priest and it was for a testimony unto them but in Luke 5 and Matthew 8 the same play the other gospels that the same story is recorded in he tells him not to tell everybody and the only conclusion I can come to for that is because you know Jesus ultimate purpose was not miracles Jesus ultimate purpose was his crucifixion and he could not allow the people to make him such a superstar that that crucifixion wouldn't come around and that's the only reason I can think that he would say not to tell uh, he does it more than once this is not the only time he does it he says it more than once as as we go through but, verse 45 of Mark 1, he went out and began to publish it much. <laughs> when the Lord does something for you, you can't hardly help it. Especially, how can you help it when, as a leper, you've been isolated from your family, you've been isolated from your social group because you were considered unclean, whatever you touched was unclean. So anybody who, like if you sat on, the, on a couch in your house with leprosy, Nobody else could sit on their couch, on that couch. And if they did, they were considered unclean. They didn't catch leprosy. But being unclean was, was such a inconvenient situation. You had to wash all your clothes. And this was not a day and time where you could run down to Walmart and get another pair of clothes. You had to weave your clothing or make your own clothing and so you didn't have multiple garments. You had, I mean, you may have had multiple garments, but you didn't have a closet full. And washing and drying was a huge task. So touching, if an unclean person touched a cup, sat on a seat, touched a table, and then you touched it and were therefore considered unclean, it was so inconvenient. The bathing process, the the cleaning of your clothes process. And the whole reason for that, by the way, was a, a type and shadow, a, sim, a symbolism of sin. The All of those verses, I didn't mean to get in this, I got to get off of it quickly, but just for those who are maybe skeptics of the Bible and skeptics, skeptics of God, I, I want to explain why this unclean thing was happening in the Old Testament. The Old Testament was symbolism, not 100%, but a lot of symbolism for what was to come. And this unclean part, anytime you read about in the Old Testament, somebody being unclean and then whoever they touch or whatever they touch being unclean, that was a symbolism of sin. And that is what sin does to our lives. It, it makes life unclean and it is a contagion. It feels like a contagion and it just duplicates and multiplies in our life. And we get to a place where we say, 
I feel like everything I touch falls apart. I feel like, you know, every body I touch, I destroy. Well, that is what sin does. And so we have to bring that to the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. Just like in the Old Testament, they had to rid themselves of all of their clothing. They had to cleanse their clothing. They were unclean for 24 hours. That is what sin does. And so being unclean in the Old Testament is symbolism of sin in the New Testament. And so a leper had to completely go and live in a leper colony because he made life, a leper would make life so inconvenient for everyone that was around them. And so how can this leper help but publish it? Because he's suddenly back with his family. He's allowed to be with his family. He's allowed to be with his friends again. And so Verse 45, he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter. (laughs) The matter took fire, blaze abroad the matter. And so much that Jesus could no more openly enter the city. Jesus was indeed thrust into that place of, we, we today call it superstardom, where you know, a movie, a movie star, or a singer, they're just instantly recognized. They can't go out and eat at a restaurant without being invaded. And so he could no more openly enter the city, but instead had to stay in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. And of course, this did put Jesus in a in a great place to tell the masses. Luke 5.15 records the same situation and says, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and be healed by him of their infirmities. So they came to hear what he had to say and they came to be healed of their infirmities. And this is still what is happening You know, the church is supposed to be God's hands to this world. We are the ongoing body of Christ. The body calls the the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. And because Christ, when he was on the earth, used his voice, used his healing power, used his hands, used his feet to minister. To people, that is what we as the church are supposed to be doing as well. Church is not supposed to be just where we go as a habit and a ritual. It is where people are supposed to come to hear the word of God, hear new things, hear, gain new understandings, and be healed. God's healing virtue is still flowing through the body of Christ today, the New Testament says the believers, we're talking about believers of Jesus Christ, the believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We should be operating in the gift of healing. When when we come across people in our neighborhood, when a neighbor is sick, Um, we shouldn't just give them a casserole. 
we should go give them give them something that's a comfort food or or if they're needing medicine or whatever it is that they're needing we should provide the physical need but not in there we should also say can i pray with you and 99.9% of the time when i have done this and i've done this with people i know and complete strangers when i say can i pray for you they are taken a little bit off guard but 99.9% of the time they say yes and i just simply hold my hand out as like you would if you're going to shake a person's hand and they put their hand in mine and I put my other hand on top of their hand. In a Pentecostal church, what's going to be common is we're going to put our hand on your forehead and we pray in that manner. But when I'm in public, when I'm dealing with people who are not used to that action or behavior, I extend my hand, they give me their hand and I hold their hand between my hands, and that's how I pray for them, especially in public. But even if, if it's um, not in public, if I am visiting a neighbor or a friend who I know is not comfortable with um, a very demonstrative, the way we do things in my church, <laughs> that's how I do it. And the Lord has healed people of cancer when I have prayed for them that way, headaches, backaches, all manner of illnesses. And it's not because I'm anything powerful. It's because I am a believer. The believer will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And I believe, I believe that wholeheartedly. And so therefore I operate in that. And so I, I encourage you as a believer to begin to do that. Do it everywhere. And what will happen is exactly what happened here in, in these gospels that we're talking about in Mark and Matthew and Luke, that the knowledge of that will grow and people will come together to hear and to be healed. And that's how it should be. And Luke 5.16 actually um, says exactly what we read um, the last time in in uh, the Jesus series in the 11th episode of the Jesus series it says that Jesus withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed and so that is always the case after a minister after you have been serving in a extensive way whether it's bible studies whether it's a a maybe a conference that you help in coordinating or in volunteering at. We have a conference at our church every year called Touch the Future. And our church, Souls Harbor, works so hard leading up to the conference, cleaning the grounds, preparing food, rehearsals for choir, sound. In every way, the volunteers in ministry give of themselves so thoroughly and um, the example that we see Jesus following is withdrawing and praying. Jesus continually withdrew from the crowds, got in a place of isolation and refreshed and restored himself in the spirit. That is so important for us to 
also duplicate Jesus as we are going through this. So we're going to go now into the next miracle that is recorded in the Gospels. And we find this, this story in Matthew 9, Luke 5, and Mark 2. And we're going to read mostly from, from Mark. But this is where a paralyzed man is carried by four friends. And we start with Mark 2, verse 1. And again, he, Jesus, entered into Capernaum. So after he had withdrawn himself and refreshed himself, he came again into the city after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And of course, he's he's got this reputation now, this place of influence where everybody's gathering to him to hear what he has to say and to be healed. And in verse 2, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. People could, couldn't get in the door. And he preached the word unto them. Listen, if people are going to come out because they saw miracles, that's fine. But God's purpose is what touches the soul, what inspires the mind with direction, what sets the mind on to light, what opens up the mind to understand how to walk, how to live, how to be changed. And so we see Jesus here. He's not in this house to perform miracles. He is there specifically to preach. And he preached the word unto them. And in verse 3, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. This is going to be a, a man who could not function. And four, it took four people, four men to carry him. And I want to point out that the only way a paralyzed person can get anywhere is if they are carried. This person needed to be carried everywhere all the time. If you are carrying someone on your spirit uh, it, for their health, if you are a caregiver and you are carrying for them all the time, be very deliberate to carry them to Jesus in your prayer, in your worship, in your demonstrations of spiritual things. I have had many, many times when a person, it may not be that they were sick, that maybe they were sick in their soul. They had something going on in their life that was causing their soul to be sick. And I have been in, not, I don't only cast them, cast my care of them on the Lord in prayer, but I will be in a very powerful service where the power of God is present, God's hand is moving, and I don't know what everybody else is praying for, but my hands are in the air, and I am picturing that person healed, worshiping. I am literally, purposefully envisioning it in my mind, seeing them break through, seeing them have their healing, if it's healing of soul or healing of body, and I am declaring it. I'm calling out their name, and I am saying, thank you, Lord, that they are dancing before you. Thank you, Lord, that they are living for you. 
thank you. I am just declaring it in the name of Jesus. I am just speaking those things which are not as though they are. And I do that in the spirit. The only way a paralyzed person can get anywhere is if they are carried. And so if you have somebody in your life that cannot get to Jesus because maybe it's their belief system, maybe they're an atheist, or maybe it's because of abuse they've been through. Maybe they've been hurt by a religious system in the past and therefore they are paralyzed. They are literally crippled in their ability to trust God. You're going to have to carry them to that place. You're going to have to be very deliberate in your care. And it is hard work when you are trying to bring somebody who has been crippled by life. And I'm I'm not necessarily talking about a physical paralyzed place. I'm talking about somebody who has been paralyzed by fear, paralyzed by experiences that they've had. Carrying them to the only one who can heal them is a hard task. But oh, what a... <laughs> I have nothing but honor and respect and admiration for these four men that brought this man to Jesus. And so are you and I when we bring ourselves to strength to carry those who cannot get to Jesus for themselves. And not only did they carry him to Jesus, but once they got there, they couldn't get him through the door. <laughs> so those ancient homes had a, it was common for the roof of the home to be a patio. And they did a lot of things on the roofs of their homes. Um, a, a lot of things that I can't take the time right now to go into, but it was designed, the roofs of their homes were designed to get to the tops of them. They had a staircase. And so that was the next best thing they could think of. They went up to the roof of their home and they uncovered the roof where he was and they began to let that bed down right through that roof. Um, it is common for those, those homes, those ancient homes to actually have a door the same way we would have a door to an attic and we could get into that attic by that door. It was common for people within the home to need to access the roof of their home because so much eating occurred up there, um, cooking occurred up there. There were a lot of things that occurred up there. So it was common for them to get there. So when it says they uncovered the roof, that was, um, that was not unheard of. Another reference says they broke up the roof. So they might have had to make the place bigger, but I'm just pointing, trying to give you the visualization that it was not uncommon for there to be access into the house from the roof. Whereas our modern homes, that's completely unheard of, especially in the United States. So they broke up that, that place on the roof and they let down the bed wherein the paralyzed man lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, this is amazing. When he saw these people's faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. 
So don't forget that their faith was their action. I think too often we think faith is a way to feel. We think faith is what we feel. But faith is action. Faith is doing something whether you are sure you're going to get your outcome or not. Faith is action. Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief, we'll, we'll read later. So their faith, that action, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, sons, thy sins be forgive, forgiven thee. Don't forget in your pursuit of Jesus, you may be wanting Jesus to do something physical for you. And Jesus is not opposed to help you in that. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. So you have to ask, but never forget that your personal soul's healing is more important to God than your physical miracles. And so we've got to be purposefully seeking God to heal our soul. Lord, what is it you're trying to say? And if life puts us in a place of difficulty where we are stopped in our tracks and we cannot move forward, maybe it's our, our physical health, maybe it's a financial situation, maybe it's a relationship. If there is something in life that cripples us, the first thing we need to do is seek the Lord for our soul's healing because that's God's first priority. And if we will take care of what God's first concern is, I have never seen the Lord not follow suit by taking care of what our concern is. He has always, every time, over and over again, taken care of our physical needs when we put his needs first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So since we know that Christ's first matter of concern is our soul's health, therefore we should present that to him and say, okay, God, here I am, stop dead in my tracks. I feel crippled financially. I feel crippled because of the health situation I'm in. I feel crippled because of this or that. So I say, God, heal me. Show me what I need to change about my soul and take time to self-examine. Read books about how to think better think more positively. And I'm not saying heal yourself by thinking positively. I'm saying realize that God's first point of order is the healing and restoration of our soul. So start studying, how can I be a better person? What do I need to change about myself? Do I need to change how I communicate? Do I need to change how I think? Do I need to change how I am in unity with people. There are so many inner things that I don't have time to go through, but pray over the healing of your soul as you also pray over that. And then we find in, in Mark 2, 6, there were certain scribes there sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Now, 
a scribe was a very educated person. They were a professional copyist. They made um, copies of, of manuscripts, but scribes were also in attendance to record a, a patient's record, like for a doctor. The, a scribe took stock of foods. A scribe took took record of court proceedings, wills, other legal documents, tax records, manuscripts, and and scripture. So scribes were sitting there, and these are people who are used to thinking through questions. They are used to uh, uh, educating themselves. And I have to say that I have always thought of these scribes as being rebuked when we get to Mark 2, 7, and Jesus asks them, or, or they, they ask within themselves, why does this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? These people had, had copied many manuscripts that said only God can forgive sins. <laughs> and so as a soul winner, I find it normal for there to be questions. Smart people ask questions. People want to know why. There's nothing wrong with the question why. And so when people ask you why as a soul winner, don't don't give off a tone or an attitude that they are bad because they are asking questions. In verse 8, immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, Jesus did another miracle. He demonstrated to them that he was reading their hearts, that he was hearing their spirit. So the paralyzed man is lowered down for his physical healing, but Jesus takes care of his first point of order by healing the man of his sins. And then he does another miracle by operating in the gift of discernment and the word of knowledge. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned, he said, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Jesus was wooing them by demonstrating the, the spirit of discernment that was in operation. And then Jesus goes on to say, you're asking these things in your heart. And he says, is it easier to say to the sick of palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus proceeds to woo these scribes to him, to believing, to accepting that he is the Messiah so that you will know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. That The whole setup was to win the soul of the scribe. The whole scene was to win the heart of the skeptic. And verse 12 lets us know that the, the paralyzed man arose, took up his bed, and walked before them all. In so much that 
they were all amazed. All. That includes the scribes that were in attendance. They were all amazed. and They all glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. The outcome of everything that is supernatural is not to be spooky. It's not to make the person who is operating in the gifts of the Spirit to be a superstar. It is to win the hearts of all that are present. It is to accomplish God's first task, to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus didn't only come to save the uneducated. He came to save the educated. And so if we're going to seek and save the educated, we have to be willing to listen to the skeptics' questions, to answer their questions. And we have to be spiritual enough to operate in the gifts of the Spirit so that we can minister to their soul. The gift of discernment, the word of knowledge, this isn't... We have made those things in our modern time to draw a crowd and to make superstars out of television evangelists. And that's not the point. The point of these things is to operate on a very personal level, to use these things to show even the atheist, God sees your heart, to show the skeptic, God sees your thoughts. And he loves you in spite of your questions. And he can forgive you and love you and work in your life. I'm so thankful for the love of God that draws us to repentance. I'm so thankful for the mercy of God. And I thank you for joining me today. Have a great day. God bless you.